This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to Green and White, the weekly Argyle Life podcast. I'm your host Josh and with us this week we've got Nick. Hello. And we've got Sam. Hello. Uh, just a quick reminder before we get started that for all the articles and up-to-date Argyle news and analysis, make sure you check us out. Argyle Life on Facebook and Argyle Life 1886 on Twitter and on Instagram. You can also make sure you don't miss another podcast by subscribing to Green and White on Spotify or on iTunes where the new episode is uploaded each week. Uh, this weekend, Argyle pff, disappointed everyone. Is that a fair way, fair way of putting it with a... a Extremely underwhelming performance, and then throwing away uh, what would have been a 2 1 win over Scunthorpe by conceding in the 92nd minute from what was effectively a goal kick, a flick on, uh, and then a little dink past the keeper. To sum up uh, how Adam put it, actually, header lost, goal conceded, points dropped. Pretty much, yeah, and a performance that Ryan Lowe described as disgusting. Uh, I, uh, reading his post match. Um, reading his post-match views, he was very, very unimpressed. Uh, including went off, went off on one about how if players weren't performing, then they'd be moved on and replaced. Um, so he's obviously lost his head a little bit. Uh, not especially surprising. Uh, Nick, what did you think of the game? Um, so, so I think where to start? Um, so the first thing I'd like to sort of go back to was. Probably, I'd say quoting, but I actually ran out of time to find the quotes. So I'll say paraphrasing. Paraphrasing what we all agreed with last week, which was we didn't want Lowe to fall into the into the Adams trap and keep the formation just because it, because he'd won the previous game. He kept the same formation because he'd won the previous game, most likely, and it so predictably didn't work. And it is mm. so frustrating seeing that. I was not... Well, I mean, pre- prior to the game, Sam and I both agreed that while we weren't particularly happy with the formation, we are talking about a pretty limited Scunthorpe. They're 23rd for a reason. They hadn't won a point on the road for a reason. They hadn't scored more than three goals away from home in the league all season for a reason. And of course, had Jan Songo in centre mid, so even if we didn't have necessarily the best midfield, I mean, that's not going to be a major issue, but it's like... 
those small things can add up to a big difference, both in a game and across the course of a season. And I was not particularly happy with that formation. And yeah, we probably would have, would have, or could have won the game even if he'd stuck with it. But why? Why? What was the point? Why risk it? Um, mm-hmm. You look at the first goal. Um, well, you look at the first goal, and by playing that four-three. 3-4-3 rather than 3-1-4-2 the absence of that holding midfielder really shines through if you watch it back Kevin Van Veen drops into the centre defensive mid position where Edwards would be or where Conor Grant was at the end of the game picks up the ball under no pressure because there's no one there to mark him he sprays yeah. it wide and they go on from there that's that's a perfect example of the formation failing and low mm. deserving some kind of blame for it yeah yeah, very disappointing performance, really. Um, they were really not all that. They were well organised, in fairness to them. They, you know, came there. They, as, as, as we said before the match, we were quite surprised they had two defensive midfielders in a 4-4-2. And they were pretty much auxiliary centre-backs, the way they were played. Songo and Perch just sat in front of the back four, didn't really push up the pitch very much whatsoever. Both quite deep. Uh, and yeah, they came for a draw and they got a draw. They didn't were not particularly technically adept in, in what they showed. Maybe you know they were missing Lund and it kind of showed they didn't really create a lot going forward. What they did create was very much through our mistakes and our inadequacies rather than good creative play. We were caught on the counter for the second goal. We were caught on the counter a couple of other times. We were caught on the counter quite early in the second half where they pinged the shot just wide of goal. Probably should have at least given Palmer something to do. And yeah, they they just weren't all that good at all. They, yeah. I think, kind of see why they, where they, why they are where they are, and we still didn't beat them. Go on, Josh. Yeah, I think I think I mean we agreed when we watched them. They didn't they didn't look a twenty third side in the league, based on on sort of what I saw from them. Because I agree they they didn't look like they had much about them, but they were organised to the point whereby you didn't think oh they didn't look like. A team who'd been in the dreadful form that they have been so far this season. No, agree. Um, but we still should have beat them, even on what they did. Show I, I agree. Game, I yeah. agree. But having said that, we played very poorly as well. Um, and obviously, part of that, well, part of that was down to formation. I think part of that was down, possibly to the personnel a little bit as well. Um, and then how many times we're going to have to moan about Ryan Taylor in this system? Um, the fact that it got much, much better the moment that he came off, I don't think was especially surprising. Um, and I, I agree with Nick as well. I think that keeping with the same formation was not the right decision. It was a great opportunity to be able to dominate the ball in this game and we didn't really do it. Um, midfield three in the way that we have played, um, I think would have worked much, much better. Uh, and obviously we didn't. Um, it was a, it, it really wasn't good to watch at any point. Even from the defensive aspect, like just a wider point, dropping Joe Edwards from centre defensive mid has not really worked in the slightest. Because we've gone from teams scoring largely headers and set pieces against us, the team's now playing through us. The 1v1 that Scunthorpe missed this week was with Connor Grant playing centre defensive mid at that point, and he gets caught out a bit, and they play through that space and, you know, work the shot. Um, we have the, the opening goal, as I mentioned, that's, you know, Joe Edwards not being there, that's the lack of a centre defensive mid in general anyway. Baxter poorly positioned for Crawley's opener. He was defensive mid that night. Edwards right wing back. The Cheltenham counter attack for the second goal. They they placed they go straight through uh, Adam Randell. Um, I think on average in defensive mid, Bax gets drilled past twice as often as Edwards. Um, and just think of the one on ones that have happened largely since he was dropped. It's just what. what? Why was he dropped from defensive mid? When Riley like, was injured, is that why? 
Uh, yeah, but he named it, well, Cooper went to right wing back. He didn't have to play him at right wing back. And he just seems to want to avoid playing Edwards there. Like, when we made the half-time sub, he could very easily have brought Conor Grant off and put Edwards back in midfield, but he didn't. Not, he chose not to just Edwards that. Off. We were already playing... One thing I noticed in the playback, in the replay, match replay, we're playing 3-1-4-2 about from the 40th minute. There's, it becomes noticeable that Grant moves to a genuine striker, Mayer drops back, and Conor Grant moves into defensive mid. So we're already in that formation. So he could have easily mm-hmm. slotted him in. But he, yeah, so I think very clearly, whether you like it or not, I think I'm going to claim a little bit of vindication here because whether I'm right or wrong, and I know that you two still think I'm wrong, with my when I kind of noted my scepticism about Edwards as a defensive midfielder before anybody else really said it. Now, Why you is may that still... vindication? Well, I'm, I'm getting if there. If you're being it. stupid about it and the manager's being stupid about it, that's not vindication, <laughs> that's two idiots. Well, well, hang on. What I'm saying is, you made out it was a completely illegitimate point of view that nobody could possibly think. And it's gone really well so far, hasn't it, Sam? Yeah, fantastic. Well, well, admittedly, I might be starting to now think it was wrong, but what I'm Literally, saying is... Literally, the only game we've kept to clean sheet in since he dropped him from there and the, was the one where the player missed a one-on-one in the first five minutes. No, that's true, and I'm beginning to slightly rethink it. I might have to admit that, he, that maybe for all my kind of doubts about him there, he probably might be in our best team after all. But what I will say is... It was, it, whether it's right or wrong, it was. It clearly, you know, the the manager does clearly see some of the same things I do about his lack of passing that he has mentioned a couple of times when he brought him off. Uh, I think we need more of a passer in there. That's something he has said. I think his passing. So one of the reasons. One of the reasons he talked about was um, fitness because he's had a long term injury, isn't it? So he said that he wasn't convinced he could last a full ninety minutes. Also, that that was at the start of the season, let's not forget, when three things were happening. Number one, we were winning two of those games when we brought off Edwards. That was Colchester and Crewe. Number two was Edwards was coming back from injury. Number three was Baxter was coming back from injury, and he was trying to slot him in and get minutes without having to... Um... The thing is, against against a team like not. Newport, it was... In terms of its analysis, was absolutely fine because we were we were struggling to break them down. But it's not like we've had... Probably yeah. that that was is not a game that is representative of how we've been all season. Where every team has sat back against us and we've struggled to break them down. Yes, then in moments like that, saying that you want a better pass on the pitch is completely valid. Um, but I'm not sure it works for the rest of the season. The thing is, though, what if what if um, and now we're into the into the genre of guessing what Ryan Lowe thinks, um, which is probably not the most fun topic of conversation. But uh, Scunthorpe. Again, Gunthorpe not a side that were really threatening a great deal going forward. And um, what if he felt that he wanted a better pass for the ball in defensive midfield at this one time? Doesn't necessarily mean that maybe, he's dropped maybe, or that he hates him in central defensive midfield, which does seem is what you've decided. This, this is all. This, 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 these are all legitimate points. But all I'm saying is that when I first made the point that actually maybe Edward isn't that great an option in defensive midfield, I was laughed. I was laughed at the house. I was laughed out of the house. I was, I was laughed out of the house and I suggested that he may not be yeah, that great of a... He's not played in defensive midfield and we've been on a terrible run. And not yeah, just that, he's been playing point. in right wing back. If, if, if he'd fair taken point, him out of defensive um, midfield and we'd won the last six games, you'd go, yeah, okay, fair enough, Sam, maybe you're onto something. On top of that, mm. what we said is that other people can play defensive mid too, we just want back. We think Edwards is there as mm. the best player. 
I don't even. Well, I don't know why we're going into too much detail about this anyway. Of, of all the things to discuss, it's not whether or not you know Sam mm. is. A I tell genius. you what. Well, going, I, you know, I like talking about that. All the time, <laughs> going back to to the formation point that we talked about, uh, I do think a plus point, which, which is a nice change, is that actually he did recognise. Okay, so initially that we can say that he got it wrong and actually sticking with the same formation didn't work. Um, actually, he did have it in him to recognise that it wasn't working and then change it in game. Obviously, preferably we would have started in the way that he changed to, but he did recognise that and I, I'm not convinced that under Adams last season we would have changed. It would have it would, would taken a number yeah, of games before we then actually changed to something different. Um, so he recognised it and he was proactive in it's reacting true. to it, which is good. I did also say to Sam that... Um, in a conversation we had that it was there's an aspect of of picking the team this weekend that was a lose-lose for him because we had to win the game for him to be right obviously if we'd stayed with the same formation and as we did uh, and we didn't win um he was wrong for picking um he was wrong for picking uh, the same team in the same formation if we changed back to the original shape uh, and we we didn't win again, and and we played half the game with with the original shape that we played the season, and we still didn't win. Uh, he, he's wrong because he didn't change it. So I think from from that aspect, it, it is a difficult situation, and it is much easier from the outside to look in and say, well, he shouldn't have started like that, and it's easy with hindsight. I know we did say it beforehand, but um, but even so, I do think it's a it's a difficult situation, and and having seen it, having seen it work. It is sometimes, I don't know, it will get into his head. I don't know, um, because I think the system could well work at Swindon because of the way they play, but I never really thought that it was going to work, A, at home, because it's a system that works best when you don't have the ball and you counter quickly, and so by us having the ball, what we went from was having one defensive mid and everyone else the defenders pushed forward to having the two defensive mids because Sarsovic and Grant both had to come back to pick up the ball that drew the wing backs back and we had a flat a relatively flat front three to us it's a bit nostalgic really watch it was like watching a Derek Adams team for a bit long balls Taylor up front as a lone striker mm. you know wingers playing wide and very isolated it was never really going to work but you are right in that you changed it and not only that within about two minutes of changing it that Ryan Taylor chance that's cut a little bit behind him, which is part of the reason why it's not as good of a shot, that was just about the first good piece of attacking play, really, for me in the final third that we'd had, and that came minutes after realigning it so that Mayor and McFadden could actually work as a pair rather than be, mm. you know, separated. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and it's good. It's nice to know that he reacted and, and did change it, I think, um, in-game rather than, say, wait for a few more defeats and then look to go back to what it was or something that worked before. Um, so that's a plus. Yeah. What it does mean, what, what it does mean now, I would expect, is because we did probably, well, we did play better with the original formation. Is that we'll probably stick to that again for Swindon. Um, I don't know. I don't know a huge amount about Swindon. I'm sure you can give us a bit of information about what they're like, Nick. Um, unless they've changed from the start of the season, which they may well have, because I haven't paid too much attention to them since. Uh, very, very quick and strong on the counter attack. Um, in fact, that's probably their main strength. But Lloyders Grove, uh, who they signed permanently, I think, uh, main danger man, and Keshi Anderson, who some might remember, I think Sam probably would, from when we lost three nil to them at Home Park last season in the uh, 
JPT, as I continue to refer to it. Uh, I, I, I don't remember anything from that competition. I watch it, I do my ratings for the site, and then I rate it on my memory forever. <laughs> Fair so enough, I don't yeah. really blame you for that. <laughs> but you might you might remember the second goal where Leatheran doesn't get down particularly well, but Anderson absolutely l- destroys. I think it might be Jamie Ness or Edwards or someone oh, just totally yeah, takes yeah, them off yeah. the pace and flies past them. Yeah, yeah fast, I do, I do actually, direct. I do now you say it, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a, yeah, Leverin should have done better, but the guy's still done very well to kind of, you know, fly through him with such pace The point energy, being, but, yeah. his speed, he's quick. very quick, <laughs> yeah. they've got a series of quick attackers, they're pretty good on the counter, so the reason why I say that 3-4-3 might work again is put some men behind the ball and, you know, do what we did to Mansfield, which is... Um, deny them opportunities to counter for the main part unless Sawyer fancies giving them one and then um, you know try and turn the tables on them make them play the boring slow intricate football they're not as good at while we can pick them off on the counter it might not work but if you're going to play that 3-4-3 formation then doing it away from home where we seem to be you know where we are opened up more easily and you know we generally sort of play less well just do what we did there see if it if you're going to do it, yeah, you go there. I think it is crucial as well now that uh, I don't know how many times I'm going to see it this season. Just don't like us. Don't like us in this setup playing with Ryan Taylor. Don't think it works. It doesn't. It just doesn't. It looks like a square peg in a round hole to me. Um, it didn't work on on Saturday, and Zach Rudden, who uh, at best from what I've watched of him, I would describe him as underwhelming. Um, we were much brighter when he came on. Um, I, I don't know what... Do we have any updates on Telford or Moore's injury? Uh, it's, it, they both seem like classic Derek Adams injuries that are ostensibly for a week or two and end up being yeah, about a month uh, and a half. Uh, <laughs> similar, similar joke story with Jose Baxter, yeah, I, I think. I, I, I don't even know what the incidents actually are. Is it all muscle injuries? Yeah, I believe they all are. None of them are in, for Telford, yeah. I think. Groin for Baxter, I want to say. Hmm. Groin, Sam's mind goes straight to Baxter's groin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what Moore's is. Uh, something else, I assume. No, Moore's I think was against Crawley. Was yeah, there's a lot, been a lot of yeah, muscular injuries, Moore's. which is slightly concerning. He went down in the game. Muscular injuries. Aren't, we, we've got too many for them to have been freak in, all freak muscle injuries, so something's not quite right. Um, very much focused around the strikers as well yeah I did find it interesting I did read about um, what Ryan Lowe said about this and he reckoned well certainly their their analysis of it and I assume this has come through the the strength and conditioning coach um, was that the running that they do at the very start of the pre-season he said was the basis of their other players not picking up injuries in the same way that the strikers or these other players have Um, and actually the more Telford and Baxter weren't there for the first week of pre-season um, and that is what he blames for the injuries they're getting now because all of the running that they get into their legs in the first weeks is what he said is preventing injuries in other players it isn't happening for these ones um, so how accurate that is I, I don't know um, I might have a, somewhat of a sports science background but I'm, <laughs> I'm not quite good enough to be able to say whether that analysis is right or wrong or not um, but certainly that's a justification because dealing with the number of muscle injuries we've had, particularly to forwards, it, it is concerning. And that's not that, there's a reason that that's happening, and it's not freak incidents each time. Mm. And it does it does seem to be forwards more than anybody else. We don't really have, any, I don't think any of the five centre backs of the Bar Ainsley's injury that he came with 
I don't think any of the five centre backs have had any kind of injury. Callum was injured against Callum, Callum, wasn't one. he? Riley got injured. Yeah, he had he had, he had one little knock. Uh, Riley, yeah, got injured. But Riley's was an arm from, injury, apart wasn't from it? That, none of the centre backs did. Yeah, it was. Riley's was an arm injury. Yeah, so you can't put it down the fitness. McFadden's had no injury. Edwards had no injury. So I, I and neither of the keepers have had an injury. So I do think it does seem to be uh, I mean, uh, Mare and Sarsovic, I believe, have had no injuries. And they're, you know, Sarsovic have been an injury-prone player in the past. Uh, Conor Grant has had no injury. Um, so, I, yeah, I do think it seems to be the more attacking players. Like, it's probably well, the, enough of a trend now that it's beyond the statistics. There is a lot of running yeah. involved in the, with, with the strikes in this system. And I, I personally, mm. sort of aesthetically, the, two, the, the duo that I like see, watching the most or have liked watching the most this season play front is... Joel Grant and Byron Moore and they're very energetic and they run around a lot um, and, and maybe there's something to do with, with the running that is involved in that I'm not sure I couldn't say for certain but hopefully well it's something that they'll be addressing because they'll be fully aware that of, of what is going on whether the excuse given was a cover up whether it's genuine I don't know but they'll, they'll be doing something I would expect to, to try and counteract it yeah, I mean, I I, um, I agree with your point about that. I mean, it'd be concerning depending on whether it carries on. But I think um, what not not often we get an issue on which me and Nick agree and you and you don't. But I think uh, I'm going to ask for my uh, fellow member of the Dom Telford fan club to come in now. I, I'm very I, surprised by Joel Grant and Byron Moore being our best partnership. I don't, I, don't I quite will see it. I refer to how there. I phrased that, Sam, which was I said personally, aesthetically, those two have been my favourite to watch. Um, mm, fair enough. Okay. Do you, do you think Telford would be on our best two for purely effective? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm I'm sure that Nick's got stats that are about to make me want to uh, to to leave uh, the no podcast. Stuff. But <laughs> um, I just I'm, I know that Telford's very highly rated, and he's certainly uh, what I say. Most people who've watched the season like pick him out. Um, I don't. Mm, I'm not really seeing it so far. Um, he's got a bit about him for sure. Uh, but I, I think I prefer the way that we play with with Moore and Grant, where it is much, it's more energetic, and we look to get him behind more. Um, oh, that was it. I, sorry, I, I had a, I had a deep breath there, and I was ready for what's about to happen. <laughs> I just sorry, Joel Grant's been pretty damn poor up front thus far. He had a good game against Crew, granted, but quiet at Crawley. Grand kid, like what you did there. Oh, I didn't even mean to I that. Would... Uh, quite against Crawley, obviously strolled in the lone strike against Mansfield. He, he hasn't looked that that good up front. You've got to remember Telford, not sure what you've seen of him, but most of his appearances have been subs because he's been injured once, mm. you know, a few times. He, I mean, his only start... What did he have? He started against... Um, oh, I'm trying to remember who he's played against now. I think... Uh, uh... Joel Grant would be the one of the of the two that I would put Telford in for if I had to pick one. Um, I'm only going based on what I've seen. I do really like Byron Moore. I think we're a much better side when he... Again, it's going on what I've watched. I think we're a better side when he plays. Um, yeah, I think Telford came on against Colchester, right? That's when Grant got injured. Mm-hmm. Started against Newport, tough game when yeah. we didn't really create much. Then you would have seen that one. That wasn't again. Wasn't a fantastic game. Taylor played alongside him. Start against Salford, pretty decent against Salford. Started against Walsall, had a very good opening against Walsall, got injured, and then obviously came back as what a sub against Port Vale, a sub against Crawley, and a start against Cheltenham where he looked lively mm. and got injured. So he hasn't had a spell of getting really properly match fit yet. 
Um, no, like I said, um, I'm, I'm not. In no way am I writing him off or saying I think he's been bad. Um, it's more, as I say, it's, it's a personal aesthetics thing more than anything else. Um, and certainly, I'd like to see what he does in a, given a long run in the side because I know very front fans from last season talk about him very highly, and he's he's highly regarded. His ex clubs talk about him well. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what that's like given a longer spell in the team. I think if Byron Moore, if Byron Moore's finishing was better, um, it'd be brilliant for us. Um, and I really, really, I, I hope the next time that he gets fit, he's fit permanently rather than a few games and then another injury, which him and Telford seem to do a lot at the moment, which is quite frustrating. It also yeah. it doesn't help in that aspect that you don't really get them settled, you don't get them match fit and settled. I mean that that doesn't help, and it also doesn't help that then we have to play Ryan Taylor more, um, which obviously doesn't impact the team in an especially positive way given the way that we're trying to play at the moment. Yeah, this this, this is true. Um, I think with regard with regard to Joel Grant, I think certainly in the crew game he, he was certainly very good. Um, I wouldn't even just say good; I would say I would say excellent. In the Colchester game, he was only on for about thirty five minutes. He didn't get on the ball a lot. He did well enough in terms of his movement, and you know, a couple of times he did get on the ball. But I think since coming back from injury, he's not been particularly good. I agree with Nick that he wasn't good at Crawley or at Mansfield. Me and Josh disagree a little bit as to his performance on Saturday. Josh thinks he was a lot better than I did. I don't really think he was up to much on Saturday. So I think whilst he can play well as the attacker, because, you know, he did in the first kind of game in a bit and he has done for other teams in the past, including Exeter, I don't think he's been good in that role since coming back from injury. What would you say on that, Nick, as to his performance on Saturday? Yeah, I'm interested in what you think about him on Saturday, Nick, because me and Sam do disagree on this. I mean, I thought he was... I don't see where Sam's coming... At with the five, really. I I thought we played yes. between the lines quite. <laughs> I th- Come on! <laughs> I, th- <laughs> ah, I thought we played between the, the Come lines. On. I thought we played between the lines quite well in the first half. Um, energetic, good movement. I th- I thought that's his most comfortable performance, and it's not surprising because it's probably the game he's played in the position. Well, it's the first time he's played in a position that he's really comfortable in because he because he's not a striker. He's a he's a winger playing up front, which is why I think he hasn't looked quite as comfortable as say Moore, who's a bit more used to it. Um, I thought he looked he looked like likely to make things happen. Sparky, no, yeah, he looked comfortable. He drifted around. He took advantage of the license to move, picking good positions. And while he didn't necessarily get everything he was going for, mm. he, he looked you know better. That was probably the I think maybe crew aside because obviously. It's, it's a while back now, so I can't remember the intricate details of that game. But maybe crew aside, that was his best display this season. And yeah, just he, I still think if you're going to find a position mm. for him in the three-four-one-two, wing back is the one. Good, I mean, good runs in from behind. Good crosser. Just it's like you know he he looks like a quite similar to McFadden in the way that he plays a bit. Because let's not forget McFadden hasn't been that fantastic. Most of McFadden's good good moments have been on the back of Danny Mayer's creativity and mm. some good running. It's hardly been like McFadden's been doing all the work. He he pairs up with a uh, with a centre mid to get him into a good advanced position, you know, in behind the defence. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see um, Joel Grant somewhere like right wing back with someone like um, Jesse Baxter next to him. Yeah, exactly, or Cooper, or, or Cooper feeding him... Um, I wonder if that could have the same impact as McFadden and uh, Mayer on the other side. Obviously, we've, we've talked in the past about how 
it's easy for teams to to mark Mary McFadden out of the game, or certainly some teams have done it or try to do it, um, because there's so much less creativity coming from the right hand side. Sarsvich is passing, obviously, and then Riley is just not as comfortable going forward as McFadden is. Um, so it's something I'd certainly like to look at. Um, but I'm pleased that you agree with me on 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 how I played on Saturday because I did think Sam was being harsh. It fell well, fair enough. I say I often see things differently when I watch games back for ratings than when I watched them the first time. So I'm prepared to admit uh, I'll, I'll be a little bit humble after my uh, like brag moment earlier <laughs> claiming vindication. I'll, I'll be a bit humble and admit the, that maybe the, the, I got my that main point wrong. with but, it, him um, on Saturday particularly was that it was yeah. it was a poor team performance. And he looked like one of the sole good points in that team performance. And it is difficult to do well if the players yeah. around you aren't performing well too. Um, it's certainly harder to be successful, you'd say, if, if, if it's not going your way as a collective. Sorry, my, I, I sort of want to get this in before before the end of the podcast, but what, and it just sort of, what you just said there triggered me to think about it. But what's really frustrating me here is that we're heading backwards. And the, the thing, you know, the contrast between you saying that it's a bad team performance and go back a few weeks, it was when Fraser was last on. He said something, I, I'll be paraphrasing, he said something along the lines of, in a few games' time, we're going to thrash a team. You know, we're building up the head of steam. We're, you know, the score lines weren't really reflective of performances. We should have been scoring more, definitely scoring more and conceding less. And now you compare that to what we've got and what we've had in recent weeks. And yeah, we're heading backwards. We're still conceding, but we're not threatening as much. And yeah, we're looking at two. I'm happy we've got two set piece goals this week. But you compare that to where we were getting goals before, which was you know playing through teams and creating good opportunities, and that that's drying up now. Yeah, we're not seeing it. So much. And, I'm, and I, I think to say we're not dominating home games anymore is a bit much. It's only really been one that we've not dominated Cheltenham. the last few. Cheltenham, I'd say we dominated. We just didn't finish our chances, and we and well, we obviously we didn't really have that many great chances, did we? I, so maybe I'm hazing <laughs> from my mind. So, I think we had a few. I remember. I can't. I remember Rudden had that big one. I remember. Oh, was that Oldham? All these games emerging into one. I remember coming out of the Cheltenham game and saying the word. Rudden had, had a big had a one against Oldham. Yeah, maybe he might have Oldham. had one against Cheltenham too. I remember coming out of the Cheltenham game and said the exact words said were Mayor should have had a hat trick of assists if the rest of our players could finish. So I remember saying that. Perhaps I can't remember the exact nature of the chances, but I definitely remember coming out of that game thinking, yeah, the chance creation was and very much the there. The thing about the way that we want to play and the way that Lowe wants to play is that if it's going to work the way that we want it to, we have to have control of the game um, and we have to be able to dominate teams. And I think that we're worried that that started to slip away a little bit. Um reverting back to some of the players that well obviously it's difficult with Baxter not fit and Byron Moore not fit but I agree with Nick that it's a it's got Connor Grant though if you want true to pass he's got there, a passer in there you're right it's where, where he plays him whether he plays him further forward and reverts to Edwards back and DM but if unless Cooper's back that's just going to mean another problem because it'll mean Riley continuing to play at right wing back which will mean we have to complain about that again um, I think I don't know. And then I, you've got Joel Grant and Sarsvich could potentially play. We we'll both agree, but I, yeah. I sure but surely we all agree way. that it's not going to happen as yeah. much as we might like to see it. Um, which again is slightly frustrating. Um, again, Sarsvich is another player who, if we, if we want to dominate the ball, is he in the right system? Possibly not. Probably not at home in home matches. He's not the sort of player that we need at central midfield for the way that we want to play. 
it's and what really sort of bugs me is after this game, Lowe comes out and basically makes a threat that some player is going to be sold or released or whatever because uh, because they're you know they're not living up to what they should be doing. And yet, I mean, Sarsovich centre mid that's a low tactical error for me. It's been obvious for weeks. Performances have been dropping since he came back in. You compare sort of the high watermark when we're outplaying teams and properly looking good which was generally Warsaw, we outplayed them, created plenty of chances, Oldham outplayed them, created plenty of chances, we you know, gave away sloppy goals against Salford, but still were better than them sort of thing. Those, Even Reading we played pretty well against them, until you know, we started seeing subs and so forth. You know, Sarsovic coming back in hasn't helped, for obvious reasons, and that he doesn't pass it as well and so forth. Mm. As, as we've spoken too much about that, and you've got Riley at wing back. He stayed there for ages, even though it became bri- you know completely obviously can't work as a winger, and that's basically what that position is in attack. It's a winger, not a wing back. And then, like the clearest example of low making a mistake, Riley and Sawyer started the season on set piece duty. That had to have been a tactical thing. And since they've been dropped, look, got two goals this week from set pieces, albeit one not from the direct. Uh, directly, but the other one, Conor Grant, uh, ball in, Sawyer had a back cross goal and Taylor mm. in. Um, you've got the Sawyer cleared off the line uh, following Conor Grant cross uh, against Leighton Orient. You've got Baxter taking one leading to a goal for Wooten against Oldham. You can sort of, like chances from set pieces getting better and better since we took obvious non set piece takers off set piece duty. That's it's not difficult, and these are examples of Lowe's tactical decisions are not working, and then him going on to blame the players. That always bugs me. Yeah. I, I look at these players and think, you're misusing them. The reason why they're not doing what you want them to is because they never were going to. We all could have told you that Riley wasn't going to be Nicky Adams this season. We spent most of preseason saying it. Ditto Sarsovic and Joe, uh, Jay O'Shea. And yeah, when your big problem is conceding goals from headers, why aren't Canavan and Ameson playing together with your two best headers of the ball? Yeah, you think they should have the... They've got a performance analyst. They should know this. They should have win ratios for defenders. Oh, they, you don't even need win ratios because they're, they're, they're so easily skewed. You know, Jan Songo actually had one of the highest win ratios last season. You just need your eyes. You just need to watch it and watch the it's fact very that, clear. We're, that we just yeah, need to be aware you know? of the goal, how many goals we have conceded from that as well. So these are these are they're, they're these are not complex it. things that we're finding that they won't have seen. You say that, but I can see how just looking at things on if you were to lay out all those goals in a row, you'd see that Canavan's at fault. It would look like Canavan's at fault for four. One of them he isn't, which is the Salford one, which is. Um, it looks like it's Canavan's man, but it's really Sawyer's. And then you can start to dig a bit deeper. Canavan, Canavan has a 50% header success rate defending set pieces. Right, I, I was telling you guys yesterday, Sawyer, Josh Grant and Josh and Scott Wooten, all sub-15%. Amesons is 40%. Canavan's mm. got the highest... You know, the reason he's conceded most is because he's had to battle against the big centre-backs most of the time. against the biggest players, yeah. Yeah, and, and in particular, like, four times... Wooten's lost a header right in front of goal and they've just not punished him against Crew. Well, the Crew wasn't a header, but it was a set piece and it's his man that he lost. Doesn't touch the ball. You've got Bristol Rovers, uh, Reading, and I can't remember the other one. Port Vale, Josh Grant loses a header, McFadzian heads off the line. So it's like, if you're just going to pick out the goals, and I can see how you would think this, Canavan is a problem, needs to be better in the air, but in reality, that totally skews the data that's there. Which shows that Canavan's not only the best header in the team, he's the best defensive header yeah. full stop and from set pieces, and that dropping him was stupid. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I do agree. 
If I, well, it's it just, just, a, just a quick thing. What does this, what are we all feeling on a macro level? Because I, obviously, throughout, compared to you two and Adam, um, pretty much everyone, I've been deemed on this podcast to be the most negative about the season. I never thought, and I still don't think, you know, well, you know obviously I still don't think, I, ne- I still don't, I don't think now, and I never have thought that we would come top three. Bizarrely, I now actually think we will sneak into the top seven, because even though we have actually started badly in terms of points, the performances in most games have been pretty much there. And since I made my shout of ninth, we have actually made a couple of quite good signings in the shape of Cooper and, and someone else. I can't remember who. Back to back to the end. So I, I, bizarrely, in spite of actually us being 12, I've upped my prediction from ninth to somewhere like sixth or seventh. So in terms of like a, a macro level, I'm actually not, you know, not as negative as maybe some people are or as I once was, but I'm not as positive as everyone else in this podcast who seems to think we're coming top three. To you two, I would ask, has your faith been shaken? Do you still think we're well, we're well set to get automatic promotion? Because yes, it's still a long way to go, but the points are ticking up now. The games are rolling on and, and it, you know, eventually it will come to the point where it will require better I'm and better form for us really, to get top three. Is not your faith really shaken? worried at this stage. Um, it's only the start of October. I think we've got the personnel once that we're all fit. We've got the personnel that are too good not to finish at least inside the top seven. I, 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 we could sit all day and discuss predictions. Um, I think the players are good enough. The manager's got a, a, a good record on his time managing in the league. Um, and, and I think we'll get better as it goes on, not worse. I think we will, despite what we talked about in terms of the last few games. I do think that it will get better in terms of performances and results as as we get more comfortable um, and, and, and as the season goes on I mean it's a cliche now I think but Barry didn't start all that well that season and it took a while for things to yeah, work yeah they picked up by now they, they picked, up by now, picked up by now not, not loads they were still 11th in until a couple of games ago performances had massively picked up for us so there's something um, in that so for me I maintain that Lowe's got all the I'm getting a bit of Derek Adams um uh, let's call it Derek Adams-itis. This is like watching the same thing. This is like watching the last season played over. He's got all the pieces he needs for a successful team, and he's just refusing to put them together. And it's actually killing me. At this, it's not actually killing me. That's very melodramatic. <laughs> it's it's so frustrating to watch. Thinking he should be here. He should be here. He shouldn't be in the team. If he is in the team, he should be there. And yeah, I'm sure I'm wrong with some of my calls because you know people. Sometimes you get ideas in your head and you follow them through, and then the more and more you defend them, the more and more defensive you get about them, the more and more you're um, you know, you can't see the wood from the trees. But I'm sorry, just like some of these decisions and the lack of public blame Lowe's putting on himself, and we're seeing a bit more and more he's ramping up blame on the players for failing to score for this or that and threatening to kick them out. I don't like that, especially so early in the season, especially when I'd say a lot of this can be achieved by making his own tactical tweaks. Mm. I maintain that we've got all we need to not only win promotion, but to challenge and compete for the, the league title. And that none of this is lost yet. But this is this is like last season. This is around the time last season when we said, oh, it's fine, as soon as he plays his best team his best front six, everything will turn around. And I spent all season waiting for that. And unsurprisingly, we ended up relegated. Yeah, and, and eventually it, it was kind of around this time of year. It was at Christmas. It, it was just before Christmas when I accepted it was never going to happen. When I thought he was saving it for my birthday and it didn't happen. When, um, in particular, there was this one moment 
where he brought on he Taylor was still on the sideline. He just needed to bring Taylor on for Ladapo and it would have been the front six on. And he brought Taylor on for someone else and put Ladapo on the wing. And I just slammed my head against the desk and said, "That's it." Yeah, I, I, yeah. So, so really, now what, what it's going to come to is obviously because I remember in September and October. Because obviously, I, you know, I remember speaking to you and remember what you were saying. You were saying it's okay. He'll, he'll you know, Ad, Ad, Adams maybe, you know, he's a bit of a somebody stumbled across it but you know you were thinking eventually he'll stumble across it again and then we'll go on a great run and you were kind of saying that up till about end of November start of October and then the kind of doubts began to creep in so really the next month or two on that same token will be critical to see whether Lowe starts doing the right things and whether you know your your supposition that eventually he'll just stumble across the right idea is correct or whether he'll do what Adams did and just keep on using his team in the wrong ways I think the next month to six weeks will be really critical for that though won't they yeah it's just yeah, like I say, I'm I'm losing a bit of faith. So the thing, the point that we made a little bit before he joined, literally all the way back to the Ryan Lowe analysed article we wrote before he'd even been hired. The main worry was, does he understand the system? Because it's one, th- it's one th- painful lesson we took from last season, which was that Adams really didn't understand the four three two one and how it worked, because when he tried to adapt it, it just flopped, and he never was able to return to it and get it to work again. And now it's it it's looking painfully that Lowe might not understand his own formation and quite why it works in the same way. Maybe he does. Maybe I'm jumping hey. the gun. Hopefully I am because it's still early in the season and there's injuries. But that's that's the main concern. And if in the next month, if we still see Sarsic playing centre mid and his performances haven't increased, he's still not creating, he's still not passing as well. And he's such an obvious contrast to Danny Mare on the left doing everything while Sarsic plays, you know, Barely touches the ball, well, touches the ball half as much, and then plays simple passes all afternoon. Yeah, and I think I think what I will say though is that on a kind of more optimistic note, even if you are absolutely correct that he doesn't understand his best system, there's always the chance he could do what Adams did in seventeen eighteen, stumble onto it, and, or, or, or what or what he himself did last season and just stumble onto it. And if that happens, there is still a chance because ultimately, let's give these managers credit. Even if they have stumbled onto it, it's still a very good idea to stumble onto. <laughs> I know. I'm just talking myself into a depressed state and worrying we're going to have a repeat of last season, that's all. Because, like I say, I've still got faith. Okay, um, finish off very quickly. Uh, in as few little words as possible, Nick, prediction for Swindon? Which one? Away on Saturday. Oh, ha, ha, ha. No, we're playing them in the JPT tomorrow. Are we? And then away on Saturday. Well, in the only competition that wasn't a joke. That was a genuine only, sincere thing. Uh, I didn't even know we were playing them tomorrow. I didn't even know that was a thing tomorrow. Um, anyway, We've got them away twice in a row, twice that's, in four or five That's days. horrific. Um, unlucky Argyle, who have to visit Swindon twice in um, a few days, um, and I don't mean that in terms of the football club. Uh, anyway, Nick, Saturday predictions. Um. Just give let's me a scoreline. Let's say Swindon 2 1. Sam? 1 0. Uh, I'll go 3 0 to Argyle. Luke McCormick to cry at full time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't mean that in a horrible way. I'm, I'm oh, of course. Big fan. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you can edit that better. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, so that's the end of the show. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on Spotify and on iTunes so that you don't miss another podcast. Uh, From all of us here at Argyle Life, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.
TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.